The Swain Event Podcast is brought to you by the Tennessee Department of Transportation. There are over 100 million pieces of litter on our beautiful Tennessee roadways, and TDOT spends $19 million a year picking it up. Join the Nobody Trashes Tennessee movement at nobodytrashestennessee.com. Brought to you by the Tennessee Department of Transportation. Ben McKee, Jason Swain, Swain Event Fuel by Dead End Barbecue. Hour 2 is brought to you by Action 247, Tennessee's only legal Sportsbook. Use the promo code Swain Event for a 100% match on your first deposit up to $800. Touchdown turnover back by Alcoa 10 Federal Credit Union. And uh, Ben, I got something good for you. We're going to the world of college football for today's touchdown turnover. Miami's offensive line coach, Alex Maribal. Uh, during an elite prospect day, so junior day, something like that, uh, told the prospects, we got rid of the turnover chains. We're here to play football. Touchdown turnover. Major reaction. Major overreaction that Miami is getting rid of the turnover chain. Major overreaction that Miami is getting rid of the Turnover chain. For those that don't know what the turnover chain is, I'll add some context. When the defense, and we've seen schools all around the country, started on defense. When the defense makes a play, get a turnover. Uh, Georgia, they got these spiky shoulder pads. We've seen Tennessee trash can. We've seen uh, you know Alabama do things. Uh, Miami had the turnover chain. It's big old gold chain uh, with. Miami logo on it, and whoever gets the turnover, where's the chain? Uh, so Miami said they're getting rid of that because they're just there to play football. Touchdown turnover, major overreaction. Overreaction by the coaches to get rid of it? Yes. No. Turnover. I, I love it. And uh, the turnover chain was fun when Miami first started doing it, but it became very corny pretty Quick, and I realized a lot of schools all over the country adopted turnover-themed gimmicks, but the Miami defense was more about the turnover chain than actual production on the field. I mean, that that first year they had it, when the Miami defense was legit, they were more about production than the turnover chain. But kind of since that inaugural season, it's been all bark, no bite from the Miami defense. And it was more so the Miami offense that got Manny Diaz in trouble, but it's not like the Miami defense was was playing Georgia-level defense. So I like that Mario Cristobal came in and, and got rid of it. Something needs to change within, within that Miami program. Uh, things can't stay, to, stay the same if they want to get back to where they were. So uh, turnover, I, I don't think it's an overreaction whatsoever. I, I liked it. I saw this, and, and I liked it. I think it's an overreaction because you can do both. You can play football. I don't think the turnover chain has anything to do with the lack of success uh, inside that Miami program. you got to recruit better. You're losing players to SEC programs in your backyard. Recruit better. Uh, you got to get better leadership from your AD. This is why you went out and got a different one. you got to get fans in, in the seats and – a 
turnover chain to to motivate guys to make a play. I mean, you shouldn't have to need shouldn't need a chain to motivate you to make a play, but like it's fun. Like it's fun looking. Like it's it's cool on the sideline. The energy with the offense, the the, the defense, everyone. Um, you know, whether it's putting on a chain or putting on shoulder pads uh, or someone ducking a basketball, like it kind of looks kind of fun. And at the end of the day, the game is supposed to be fun. I don't think the turnover chain uh, has anything to do with them, you know, winning games. I think it's a, a overreaction. I'm going to say, I'm going to say touchdown, but this is, this is what you see when you have a coaching change. Like the new coach, new administration comes in and they want to change and do everything opposite the previous person did. Everything. Like, Butch Jones was fired. The next guy comes in, and everything was, like, done opposite. Well, Butch didn't do everything wrong. He did a lot of things wrong. did a lot of things right. But we did the total opposite of what Butch Jones did. Now, what do you? how do you feel about the daddy cap? I love it. But but see the difference is to me is like there's nothing wrong with having fun like you said I completely agree you you can do both you you can take the game seriously in between the white lines and then have fun once you get to the sideline but for me like I said the turnover chain became more about the turnover chain yeah. than the play on the field. Yeah. And and that wasn't the case with the daddy hat. Like Tennessee handled its business in between the white line and it was more about the play on the field. It was more about hitting piss missiles and, and hitting bombs and, and and taking care of business on the field and then coming back to the dugout and putting on the daddy hat and it was like the the cherry on top or the icing on the cake. So to me that that's kind of what the difference is. Yeah. Like you, yeah. you have to earn the right to not to have fun, but but to have, you know, that type of fun. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. you, you have to handle your business before you, you, you're you able to go out and, and, and do those type of things. Tennessee baseball doesn't need to be rocking the daddy hat if it's one of the worst offenses in the SEC and flirting with 500. You, you've got to handle your business before you, you can go to that extreme of fun, in my opinion. And we don't know the, the inside and – you know, of the reason. There might be multiple reasons why they get rid of it. Um, but I I like it. I think it's a pretty cool part of, of the college game. Uh, you know, I wish we had some something like that. Um, you got to make sure that it's not corny. It can't be corny. But anytime you can, sell, you know, generate some, some, some energy on the sideline with a big play and you have, uh, you know, a prop like that that's not – too overbearing or, or too polarizing and um, you know, gets in the way of like the trash can was like too much. Oh, it was so corny. It was too much, but something subtle to where like the kids get hyped for like for us getting knockdowns. You, you got recognized for pancakes on Monday, you know, Monday uh, afternoon meetings, like whoever had the most, you stood up in front of the whole team and you know, you, you got that, that congratulations, like something like that is really, really cool because Did you all have any receivers that would run onto the field and pour the syrup on the DB. No, nah, man, we, we didn't do that. We didn't, we didn't do that. But your boy did get recognized a couple times for, you know, having some of the most pancakes in the course of a course of a game against Jay Wade. 
when they play in against practice. You. They, well, they didn't do it in practice. We didn't, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't tackle and cut each other in practice. This, even this, though I wanted to. This, this may be a stupid question. It probably is. Go for it. Probably, but see, unlike the rest of human beings out there, unlike everybody else listening, I can make fun of myself. I, I can admit that I ask stupid questions and, and say stupid things. So really, I think y'all should be more like me. I uh, agree. But did did it feel as good to pancake somebody as it did to catch a ball? Not catch a touchdown, because obviously you catching a touchdown, it's got to be a better feeling for sure. But just simply catching a, a pass, did it feel just as good to pancake somebody? Because it, it, it seems to me like it would. It felt better. So to pancake somebody? Yeah, it felt better right. taking taking a dude and with two hands. Just manhandling and, him. And running him into the ground. <laughs> it's better than catching a pass. Like, I, I love the videos of a receiver running the DB into a sideline. Yeah, it's like catching a touchdown is great. Don't get me wrong. But, like, there's just something about taking a DB and just running his head right into the dirt. Oh, man. Oh. I, I bet if you ask Jawan Jennings which one that he liked better, the touchdown pass where he called on Jalen Taylor, Jalen Tabor, or him taking Florida DBs to the ground consistently in that game, he probably would say take them to the ground. Hey, go back to the uh, 49ers-Cowboys game. I bet Jawan would say he enjoyed cracking Trevon Diggs more than he did those those key catches on third down. So it's just something, something about it, man. Just something about it. Because like you, you are like physically taking their soul out of their chest, man. Like it's just something about it. Something about it. Offensive linemen, defensive linemen, they can, they can like attest. It's just, it's just, it's, it's like different. A, it's like a, just a manliness to it. It's different. It's just it's, dominating somebody. It, I mean, even just. In life in general, like growing up and maybe scrapping with somebody on on the court, playing pickup ball or or backyard football. I mean, there's just a a great feeling when 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 your manliness comes out like this doesn't even compare. But when I was a junior in high school, every Friday when we weren't in in baseball season, we, we would go play football after school at one of my buddy's house houses and. I mean, there'd be a bunch of us, and there's this big old thick kid that that would come play. I, I remember his name, that's, Joe. That's a nice way to call him fat, Ben. Yes, but he, but he kid. he wasn't like fat, fat. He was like a short, stocky, fullback looking type of guy. He was fat, fat kid. And actually, just he said Ben. He was he, a carbon. And actually, this, this kid has turned hey, in, yes! turned into a criminal, <laughs> built by Buckhorn, baby, building criminals brick by brick. Is he in or is he out? I think he would still be in. I haven't kept up with him, but with what he did, I think he would still be in. Um, but he was a big old boy, much thicker than me, especially high school Ben. And I remember I, I caught a pass, and I turned around, and this dude was was trying to run me over, and I ran over him. I mean, back hit the ground. I cockroached him. He was laying on his back like a cockroach, and he had – tire mark marks all over his belly and his face from where I ran over him. And it was such a great feeling. Like to the point where I still think about it this day. So I can only imagine what it would be like to do it in a in a college game or an NFL game. Oh yeah. Oh Just yeah. Asserting your your manliness. Your will, man. Imposing your will on somebody. 
just in all walks of life. I mean, not even sports. Just just being able to show off your manliness. Oh, such a great feeling. Don't you just love to be a manly man? I feel like we should be on a Jim Beam commercial right now. No. Well, not Jim Beam, but uh, what's the, the the little uh like beef jerky with the Sasquatch commercials? Oh, yeah, that one, that one, uh, that one. I'm forgetting what yeah. they're, they're called. Yeah. The, the little the, the little meat sticks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna be quiet. The, the, uh, the Brady says, Ben, what's the real deal with uh, Tidwell? I've heard reports he's out for sure. I've heard uh, out indefinitely. Uh, I saw some things too. Won't be starting the season, Ben, but what are the details on uh, Blade Tidwell? I have not heard that he's gonna miss the season. So to me, that is an overreaction. What I have heard is that he is hopefully going to be back by April and that this is just being real cautious. It is the Garrett Crochet situation all over again. He is Garrett Crochet 2.0. And for those who are not familiar with the Garrett Crochet story, Garrett Crochet, who now pitches for Swain's lovely Chicago White Sox, uh, he he in, two, in the COVID-shortened year, so 2020, going into his – junior season at Tennessee projected first round pick and he, he was just dealing with some some gen, general arm soreness so because of his draft stock Tennessee was being very cautious with him and shut him down and was only going to throw him out there when he was completely good to go because of his draft stock and so Blade Tidwell is is He's okay right now. He's just not good enough to pitch in a game because of his draft stock, if that makes sense. It's not worth it to to run him out there right now. He's He's been dealing with this since the end of fall. Just some – he would feel good after he throws a bullpen, and he would be sore, and it would just lead to, to more stiffness in his shoulder than than usual and just kind of took him a, a little more time to, to get over throwing a bullpen. He would feel good while throwing the bullpen. It, it was just the, the soreness and the stiffness afterwards that was a little more than it should be. And so he, he's still kind of dealing with this, and, and because of his draft stock, they are just being super cautious with him. So I have not heard that he's going to be out for the year, and, and I believe that the – the, the target date is for him to be back by by April and and that they are just being super cautious because of of uh, his draft stock, as they should be. And Tony has always maintained that they are going to, to err on the side of caution. And and Tony is being genuine when when he talks about erring on the side of caution. He, he's not like some of these other college coaches who are just going to try to do what's best for the baseball program. Uh, Tony's Tony's going to do right by the player first and and he has plenty of evidence to to support that so th- this is all precautionary from from what i have heard but it, it is it is a big big loss there there's no doubt about it i mean he is supposed to be the ace of the staff will be the ace of the staff when he returns uh would have been the the first guy to take the mound on friday february 18th in tennessee's first game against georgia southern Arguably could have been the best pitcher in the SEC this season. Still may be the best pitcher in the, in the SEC this season if, if everything goes according to plan and, and he gets back. But 
it is a, a very significant loss, especially after Seth Alverson, the Missouri transfer. He's got a fracture in his arm, and he's going to be out until about April as well. He's been shut down for six weeks without throwing a baseball, and he's about midway through that. And they'll have to ramp him back up after he gets those six weeks under his belt, and hopefully he'll be back by the beginning to, to mid-April. But those are two big arms that Tennessee was going to count on, and and they're out. So Tennessee's going to need some uh, some guys to step up. Still have quite a bit of pitching, but going to need some some names that people aren't as familiar with to, to step up and and take a step forward and, and be productive until those guys get back. Does sound like Tennessee may add some help. Uh, picked up a, a transfer between the fall and, and spring semester and uh, waiting to, to get clearance from the NCAA for him to to be eligible. And, oh and I, I NCAA know, right? hates baseball. Yes, but uh, that that player is Ethan Smith. He was a, a pitcher for Vanderbilt from Mount Juliet. Uh, didn't, didn't throw a ton during his time at Vanderbilt, but um, – when when he did throw, he was he was productive, and he has been viewed as uh, one of the the top draft prospects uh, in the past. Uh, as a sophomore in 2020, uh, Perfect Game ranked him as the 92nd best draft prospect in 2020, and then D1 Baseball had him as the SEC's 33rd best draft prospect uh, that year as as well. Only. Only threw 12.2 innings last year for Vanderbilt, but was really good in his appearances. So it uh, sounds like uh, Tennessee could have some help on the way if he can get cleared by the NCAA. Who's on the phone? D.R. Vall. D.R. Vall, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. Ben, you, you were referencing Tony V, not running him to the ground. Made me think of uh, Arkansas and Vanderbilt. Mm. Did uh, Kumar, did he ever sign that contract for his professional contract? Nope, and uh, funny that you bring Kumar up. Swanny and I were talking about Kumar and the Rockers yesterday because Tim Corbin had his, I guess, uh, beginning of the season press conference on Wednesday or yesterday morning and said and was asked about Kumar. And Kumar is supposedly going back and forth from Knoxville to California. And he, he's not playing for anybody this year, and, he, and he's just kind of preparing – to do the draft all over again. And he's doing so here in, in Knoxville and in California. And, and that's because the Rockers, Tracy and I forget mama's name. I don't know if you remember off the top of your head, but uh, they, they decided to keep their house out in Farragut after uh, Tracy Rockers time at Tennessee came to an end. So he, he's been going back from Knoxville to California, just kind of waiting for this year's draft to, to do it all over again. Shame we couldn't get him to play this year. Yep, that, that I know he, he would he'd be big time. But um, sounds like he may play some independent league baseball in in the meantime. Well, well guys, y'all know me. I'm always prepared to jump off the cliff. I, I don't have to get no, ready. Don't I stay you. ready, and I, I don't have to put the cup on because it stays on. Uh, ben, we've lost two starters. I mean, how do you think we're going to fare until they return? Well, Seth Halverson wasn't going to start. He he was going to be one of the the top bullpen guys. Uh, if Blade Tidwell was healthy, I thought the rotation was going to be Blade Tidwell on Friday night. Chase Dolander, the transfer from Georgia Southern, he was going to be your number two starter. And there's a feeling that that he is a future first-round pick. 
So you're going to have potentially, really your rotation was going to be three future first-round picks if everything goes according to plan. Tidwell on Friday, Dolander from Georgia Southern on Saturday, and then uh, Blake Tidwell 2.0 and Chase Burns, the the, the star freshman from uh, from Hendersonville who played at Beach. Uh, he He's going to be your Sunday starter. So Halverson wasn't going to start. He was just going to be one of your top arms out of the bullpen. And uh, now that Tidwell is is going to miss some time, I would expect Camden Sewell to slide into a starter role, and you'll have Dolander, Sewell, and Burns. So your starting rotation is still going to be really good. It's just the the depth of of the, the staff as a whole, particularly with the bullpen, it's going to ha- it's going to have to step up. You've got Redmond Walsh coming back. You can rely on him. You're going to need Kirby Connell to be good. You've got a kid named Ben Joyce who is from Knoxville. He's working his way back from Tommy John. Uh, he missed all of last season due to it, and he throws as hard as all get out. He, he was clocked throwing 103 a couple of weeks ago. 103 <laughs> in the bullpen over at Lindsey Nelson Stadium, and uh, he, he needs to work on some command, and, and I'm sure he'll be somewhat rusty because this will kind of be his first game action. He did pitch in the fall and, and looked pretty good, but uh, command is, is – kind of a question mark and, and he'll be a question mark until he fully asserts himself but uh gonna need some some guys to like I said just guys that people aren't as familiar with they're gonna have to step up and uh, and pitch well but I trust Frank Anderson to, to make sure his pitching staff is good to go uh, 103 or no control so he's basically Charlie Sheen wild thing <laughs> May, maybe not that extreme but <laughs> yes yes I and I'm not saying he doesn't have any control but and, and that's the most case with any guy that throws that hard, um, just learning how to command it. He he'll he he should be able to come in and, and throw throw strikes, but that that is kind of his bugaboo at times, not all the time, but at times. Man, when I was in high school playing ball, I went up against a guy. He ended up pitching Triple A for the Padres, but he was throwing in the nineties in uh, high school and. I was throwing up Hail Marys, and I'm not Catholic when I had to get up and bat against him. <laughs> Guys, you ever talk about that turnover chain? For me, a lot of it's self-awareness. I saw ESPN, I think it was yesterday, showing a clip, and Miami had gotten out the turnover chain, and they were down like 49 to 10 Alabama. <laughs> you know, and that kind of reminds me of Frank uh, Beamer getting so excited when they scored and made it cut the deficit from 38 to 7. Shane? So, a lot of self-awareness, guys, to me. You mean Shane, Shane Beamer? Shane, yeah. He look it kinda looks like Frankie Munez. That's why I said that. <laughs> you know how hard it was for me not to not, not to tweet when Shane Beamer was in Montario Hardesty's high school and, and pointing to his picture, his his college picture with him wearing orange and you know said wrong color. Boy, 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 boy. He did that? I did not see this. Yeah, Shane Beamer's tweet. Yeah, go go check it out. What was this? Uh, it was yesterday. Oh. Yeah, it was yesterday. I was man. I I know he was playing the game. I know he has a lot of respect for Tennessee. I know that. And I know he was just trying to show out, show out for them retweets and likes. He was trying and to recruiting. get that, trying to get that Dr. Vol Twitter clout. Mm-hmm. He wishes he had Dr. Vol's Twitter clout. He wishes. All right. That right there triggers me, Flame, because I've said it for years. Uh, Hardesty's my favorite Tennessee running back. I, I was there the night he uh, the infamous uh, spin move oh. against South Carolina. That that pisses me off, honestly. 
You see it right there, Ben. I see it. Yeah. I just, like, why would you tweet this when you got beat down by them this year? I just, I, I thought it was a um, a pretty dumb tweet, but that's, I mean, just reminded everybody how Tennessee put them hands on you. And and there's, and there's that famous. I'm honestly surprised, though. I mean, look, look at their fan base celebrating all they did, like, uh, over us. after we kicked our teeth in. About I, the co-coach of the year and all that crap. I, like, I saw some fans talk about how uh, Spencer Rattler is better than 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 uh, Hendon Hooker. And I was like... I'm not touching that conversation. I was like, um, yeah, skill set-wise, I mean, projection-wise, I mean... I'm sure Spencer could throw the ball better and make all the throws, but you can't say that after this past season. Spencer has not <laughs> proven it that he is better than than Hendon just yet. He what may if, be this year, but he hasn't proven it yet. So you can't say that and, right and now. What I would say is that forget that, like you said, he he Spencer Rattler has a better natural skill set than Hendon, but I would rather have Hendon leading my football program than that little old bum, Spencer Rattler. You can see it coming a mile away, guys. Uh, we, we've had those transfers, like a Consbo. I know they were a junior college, but we've had Consbo and Dontavious Blair and stuff like that. I've got so many tweets saved for when we just do exactly what we did this fall, next fall to them. I, I, South Carolina's just getting so obnoxious to me. Their fan base, their coach, the, the Rattler. Hey, I agree, man. A hundred times. Out of a hundred, I would have. I'd rather have Hooker over Rattler. Yeah, yeah. I think it'll be a harder, harder game to win, but um, I like our chances, and I'm looking forward to revisiting this tweet once Tennessee put them hands on uh, the Gamecocks again. Yes, like Shane Beamer is is doing good things at South Carolina right now, but you can't be talking out the side of your mouth when you got beat down the way that you did in Knoxville. And there's a famous screenshot of you from the game celebrating like you won the Super Bowl when you're down, what was it, 31-7, 38-7? Yeah, it was It was rough. It was rough, man. It was rough. DR Vaughn, man, stay out of trouble this weekend. Hey, y'all have a great weekend, guys. You too. Uh, looking at the comments here on YouTube, Daryl says, can you guys talk about uh, – how the instability within the football program has affected recruiting. Kentucky winning our state and recruiting brought this up. Great show, guys. How is Kentucky winning? Like winning, winning in, in Tennessee. They're winning the perception battle. The perception battle. That is that is what they are winning. And they 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 try to pretend like they were a serious football program by trying to pull some of our kids into the portal. They tried to pull some of our kids in the portal. And then when it came time to bust a move, they didn't follow through. So they're winning the perception battle. It looks like Kentucky is just crushing Tennessee and recruiting because you have a kid from Tennessee that you would assume Tennessee wants, but in two cases that we have talked about on this program, Tennessee did not want to Tennessee did not want to bring in a player and promise him a real chance at a position knowing that he was not going to be a quarterback. 
So And only time will tell whether Tennessee was right or wrong. Correct. And then another player that was ranked high, Tennessee, along with the other schools in the SEC, said no thank you. So I, I don't look at that as like t- Tennessee's getting crushed by Kentucky in recruiting. I know the looks of it looks that way, but I just don't think that is um, – that's that's accurate. Now Tennessee has a lot to do in recruiting and got to win battles in the Carolinas and go get guys in Georgia and go get players here and there. Tennessee is not knocking out of the park. Tennessee finished strong uh, in, in recruiting this this past you know early signing period, but I'm not going to sit here and agree with Kentucky you know beating Tennessee down in in recruiting. I'm not going to buy that. Um, Lacrue. Says when we're talking about James Pierce being a five star, LaCruz says five star according to on three only. Well, on three took all of 247's top folks, and Shantari is building another mega company. So, on three has some really good guys that evaluate. I'm not saying that they're not good. Folks over there still at 247, but we didn't do all this when Harrison Bailey was only ranked a five-star in rivals. I want to know what LaCrue was thinking about that when Harrison Bailey was just a five-star on, on rivals. Huh? What? I mean, just I'm just saying. I please the fifth. Sometimes it's only one site that has a guy as a five-star. I don't really care if James Pierce was a four or a five-star He's a good player. He's a player that Tennessee feels like will be a next-level player, an NFL player, a championship-level type of player. That's how they feel about him. So I don't care if he's a four-star or a five-star, to be honest, as long as they feel like he's an NFL guy, uh, they feel like he's a championship-level player. That's that's the only criteria that matters to me. But don't be trying to downplay a kid for just getting a five-star on one site because – we're being honest here. Um, on three, about to be one of the best ones here soon. Eight six five. I feel two hundred fifty five oh three. Now, Ben, you just breathe and no, don't I have say two, nothing. No, you just take a little deep breath and don't say nothing. I had two things I would like to say on a different subject. Two different subjects. Good idea. Uh, first, in relation to James Pierce, uh, earlier in the show, Chip Payne asked us on the text box uh, about James Pierce's academics. And yes, that that is a concern, and that is something that he needs to to get figured out before he can get to Tennessee. But at the moment, it is a a minor concern because that appears to be in the process of being handled. Like as long as he takes takes care of business this spring from an academic standpoint, he's going to be fine. He'll be here in May. So yes. He does need to take care of his academics, but he's in the process of, of doing so, and, and there's a strong belief that he'll be here in May. No issues. The other thing I wanted to mention, I feel like a proud dad right now. Why? Because look, look at that. Look at that question from uh, JL on the text box. What does it say? He asked me a direct question. What does it say? Ben, what happened to Tidwell? No, that's not what it says. Refers to... I can't see, man. I got... <laughs> I got glaucoma. All right, Jameis. I can't see. I ref- can't see. Refers to uh, Blade Tidwell's nickname. I 
feel like a proud maybe I shouldn't be a proud dad um considering what Blake Tidwell's nickname is and that's what he is referencing but I feel I feel like a proud uncle I'm, I'm, oh, uncle's perfect. Yes, drunk I'm, uncle. Uh, I don't know about drunk uncle, but the uncle that the parents don't want the kid to be around. That's you. In this moment, celebrating somebody referencing Blake Tidwell as Tiddy. Yes, that is me. That's his nickname. Baseball players come up with the best nicknames. The best. I, I've been trying to talk my wife into some some baseball nicknames for for my son. If we have a boy, and so far she's not been been going for any of you them. should name your son tidwell tidwell oh, I, mckee i think titty titty mckee you can do that too i went i tried to go for trout but she wasn't going for that one trout mckee inspired by mike trout like how awesome would the would would trout be for a, a baseball name like if my, if my son if my son grew up to be a great baseball player trout mckee and now stepping to the plate trout mckee or if he was like on the, the you know the bass pro Tour or something. Hey, if it gets them a scholarship, I'm I'm game. They got fishing scholarships. Oh yeah, whatever, man. Whatever it takes, right? She wouldn't go for Bubba either. Bubba. Nah, man. That's a good like baseball nickname. It's terrible. It's terrible, man. Real friends tell you the truth. It's terrible. Don't do it. What about Benny? Benny's okay because I mean he'd be a junior. Well, Savannah doesn't want a junior. Yeah. She she says does one it, being is good enough. Does yeah. it have to be a junior if it's not my? Full name, if it's like my full name is Benjamin Thomas McKee. If it's Benny Scott McKee, is that technically a junior? Because uh, no. my name is Benjamin. It's not technically a junior. Thank you. That's what I've been saying. But you ain't slick. You're trying to you're trying to ease your way around the back door by naming him Benny, so that way you can you can refer to him as junior. Can we call her and wake her up right now? And, and mm-hmm. you vouch for me? Mm-mm. Why? Nope. You get me in trouble. Nope, nope, nope. You're supposed to be a good friend. Friends are supposed to back each other when they have ideas. And you're not backing me right now. I don't appreciate it. Nope, nope. How much of the offense is being called by Gullish versus Josh Heupel? Uh, Josh Heupel calls the plays. He calls the plays. But Alex Gullish does legitimately have a lot of say in game planning throughout the week. A lot of say. A lot of say. Hypo gives his coaches a lot of a lot of um, room to coach. And um, I mean you could you can even ask the question, does he give them too much of a say? So only time will tell if it's enough or if it's if it's too much or if it's not, you know, if it's, it's not enough, we'll know. But right now it, it it works out. It is working out, but hypo calls the plays with a ton of input. From Golish. Uh, Hypo values his assistant coach's opinion. Um, he doesn't he doesn't micromanage them. He does not value their opinion. I mean, they do have a say, which is why we didn't have any attrition with our coaching staff. Any. This offseason. 865-255-03. Be right back. While the other guys are taking guesses, 
The Swain Event is taking you behind the scenes and in the huddle every morning from 7 till 10, right here. Fellas, when it's time to freshen up that wardrobe, there's only one play to make, and that's to go see my friends at Mark Nelson Denim in downtown Knoxville. Find the latest in small batch denim in the heart of Knoxville. Denim isn't all they do though. Mark Nelson also does custom suiting and blazers. Let your personal style shine with Mark Nelson. If you don't have time to go shopping for yourself, but still want that fresh look, then sign up for the MN Society. Let the experts handle the shopping and get $300 worth of merchandise for just $150 every other month. That's six times per year to keep you looking styling every day. Let Mark Nelson Denim help you be the best you, because when you look good, you feel good. Go to Mark Nelson Denim when you start your own business, you know that branding can make or break a new venture. That's why Swain Event relies on 42nd Street. 42nd Street is a strategy agency focused on finding creative, open-minded, results-driven solutions to brand design. After over a decade of operations in East Tennessee, the brand architects at 42nd Street have the experience and creative know-how to ensure the success of your business branding, logo, web presence, and more. To see a real-life example of their amazing work, you can check out our website at SwainEvent.com. Don't trust the branding of your business to just anyone. Check out my friends at 42nd Street online at 42ST.com or give them a call at 865-382-7007. 42nd Street, brand, strategy, design. More and more Tennessee businesses are switching to Iris Networks for reliable, local, high-quality, high-speed business fiber internet. Iris provides direct internet access from 10 megs to 10 gigs with no payments for 90 days. Iris also offers next-generation business phones with work-from-anywhere capability from the mobile or laptop app. With local sales, support, and service, Iris is a partner in the community. Learn more at irisnetworkusa.com or call 865-448-IRIS. Iris Networks, a Tennessee business connecting Tennessee businesses. Litter is a big problem in Tennessee, but together we can do big things. We can make our cities, our waterways, our roads cleaner and safer. The Tennessee Department of Transportation is committed to reducing litter in our communities, but we need your help to do it. There are over 100 million pieces of litter in our roads at any given time, and it costs TDOT about $19 million a year just to clean it up. The first step to keeping Tennessee beautiful is to rally behind these three simple words. Nobody trashes Tennessee. Join the Nobody Trashes Tennessee movement at nobodytrashestennessee.com. For what is coming up on the Swain event. Out-of-town law firms have been swarming into East Tennessee lately. Firms from Memphis, Chattanooga, and Birmingham have stormed into the area. Wouldn't you rather do business with a local law firm? You know, a true neighbor. Marcos Garza and the pros at the Garza Law Firm are just that. They are our neighbors and friends that support local causes year-round. The Garza Law Firm works to serve you professionally on criminal matters, injuries and accident matters, and Social Security and disability filings. The Garza Law Firm is here for you at GarzaLaw.com. The Garza Law Firm, let us help. Top 100 barbecue restaurant Dead End Barbecue is a no-brainer when you are craving the smoky flavor of quality Q. Dead End makes it easy to enjoy their fantastic menu with online ordering from Chow Now for pickup, or if you don't feel like leaving the house, then have Dead End Barbecue delivered right to your door by Loco Knoxville or Bite Squad. 
there is no better restaurant in town to enjoy the madness of March with. Cheer on the Vols and the Lady Vols with the best barbecue around. Check them out online at deadendbbq.com. Dead End Barbecue. The search is over. We're here with Dr. Michael Carlson of Tennessee Regenerative Sports Medicine to discuss PRP, platelet-rich plasma. If you have orthopedic injuries such as shoulder pain, knee pain, Achilles tendonitis, or tennis elbow, you should give them a call. Good to be back, Jason. We specialize in non-surgical orthopedics, so we treat damaged tendons, ligaments, and joints, including rotator cuff injuries, knee injuries, and elbow and foot problems by using ultrasound-guided injections with PRP. And this form of treatment helps stimulate the body's own reparative process and assist in the healing of damaged tissue. Doc, what makes your training different than others? I've been practicing in Knox Hill for over 26 years, and I'm certified in interventional regenerative orthopedic medicine through the American Academy of Orthopedic Medicine. They've been the leader in this form of treatment since 1983. I also teach this form of treatment on a national and international basis to other physicians, residents, and medical students. Here in our clinic, I'm the one doing the procedure, and we're using your own PRP, which are concentrated platelets, to treat your injury. So in other words, Jason, it comes from you and it goes back to you. So you know exactly what you're getting and know exactly the level of training involved. Do what the pros, college athletes, and I have done and visit them online at trsportsmedicine.com. Tennessee Regenerative Sports Medicine, East Tennessee's leader in PRP therapy. If you're coming to Knoxville and need a place to stay, do yourself a favor and book a room at Hampton Inn Paper Mill also known as the Hampton on the Hill. This award-winning property is literally in the top 5% of all Hampton Inn properties. The GM, Stephen Lawrence, is a good old local boy who grew up in the business around Knoxville. He and his staff are always available, always willing to help, and will go above and beyond for their guests. The newest Hampton Inn in Knoxville has clean, affordable rooms, flat screens, fridges, and microwaves in every room. Plus, breakfast is included in every rate. Not to mention, there's also a pool and fitness center on site. If it wasn't so close to amazing restaurants, bars, and shopping, you would never want to leave. At only six miles from campus, you're still right in where the big orange action is. Go to HamptonInn.com, search Knoxville, and book your room at the Hampton Inn Paper Mill, or call 865-693-5400. There are articles and news stories that you read about the things that people do. And when you're reading those and you start to shake your head, you start to scratch your head a little bit. You get confused. You don't understand why. You start to ask questions. But really, there's only one question that matters. What is that question you may ask? For what? To uh, Alabama for today's for what? Of course, we're going to Alabama. This is wacky as wacky gets. The title Alabama man accused of keeping meth fueled attack squirrel. 
faces new charges. Mickey Polk was arrested in 2019 after authorities received a tip about the alleged drugged squirrel. Aside from the rodent, police found body armor and meth. Hmm. NBC News affiliate WAFF of Huntsville uh. reported Monday uh, that Polk was set to start a bench trial uh, that was continued until the end of February because of uh, Polk's attorney was not present in court. He was arrested in 19, then charged with the possession of a wild animal, stolen property, and weapon possession by a felon. The Limestone um, County Sheriff's Office released images of the alleged attack squirrel. Yo, this squirrel is swole. This is this looks like a beefed up Alvin from the Chipmunks, man. I mean, he, re- he really does. Even though I know one's chipmunk, one's squirrel, but that's that's what he looks like. After releasing the squirrel into the wild. Now, why would you do that? Why would you release the squirrel into the wild? Now, you're going to be beating up and bullying all the regular squirrels. Yeah, like, I'm I'm not for animal cruelty, but this may be a squirrel that needs to be put down. I mean... There are enough squirrels in the world to where we can afford to lose this one. No different than being, being run over on the road. The sheriff's department said there was no safe way to test the squirrel for meth. <laughs> what is going on? Oh. NBC News reported in 2009 that Park showed up uh, in a later social media video saying that his pet squirrel, which he said he had raised since it was young, returned to the sound of his whistle when he visited the home after the police raid. So the police, so the police come to the house. He told the squirrel to run. The coppers are here. Run, squirrel, run. And then when the police came and left, he blew a whistle and the squirrel came. <laughs> oh my gosh, man. I thought this was made up when I first saw it. No, all, all I needed to see was Limestone County, and I knew this was a real this real is, story. Now, when this I, is real. When I first saw WAFF, I was thinking, okay, this happened in Coleman or Decatur <laughs> or Hartzell, Scottsboro, South Pittsburgh, where, where Rodney and I still, the street he grew up on. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's kind of where I expected it. But then I saw Limestone County. I was like, okay, this this this, this makes sense, too. Limestone County, it is a place where you, if, if you could envision Limestone County, it would be people that you would think that would try to raise these type of squirrels. Park says, the public isn't endangered from the meth out squirrel in the neighborhood. With a chuckle, he's not on meth. I'm pretty sure. He just said meth out squirrel. Um, better not find out he's on meth anyways. I don't think he likes taking that S, that ish. What a crazy story. Limestone Correctional Facility is where I did my um, scare straight program, by the way. It's the, it's the prison. It's the prison. Right there uh, close to Huntsville. So about, I think it's about 35, 45 minutes away from the house. 865-255-03. That is my for what? What is yours for today? Uh, I am giving Jeff Garcia up for what today? Jeff Garcia gets today's for what? Uh, the for, former 49ers quarterback uh, did not like what uh, Mina Kimes 
had to say uh, about Jimmy Garoppolo, as if Mina Kimes was just saying things that weren't true. Uh, but Jeff Garcia took to, well, I guess I'll give you Mina, Com- Mina Kimes' comments first. Uh, on first take on Tuesday, Mina Kimes says, Jimmy Garoppolo isn't the reason they're winning. They're winning with him, but not because of him. He posted the second lowest QBR in 15 years against the Packers. Uh, Kimes said he was trying to give the game away in the second half with interceptable balls and that this has been a playoff trend for him. Since joining the Niners, he has two touchdowns and five interceptions in the postseason. These are not advanced statistics. The dude is just simply not helping them win. Seems pretty spot on to me. Seems pretty spot on. and something that we've heard every analyst say about Jimmy Garoppolo. Except it's a problem when the female analyst says it because Jeff Garcia took to Instagram and said, who the blank is Mina Kimes? And when is the last time she threw a touchdown pass in a game? Never, ever has she taken a snap or can truly understand the ability, the mindset, the physical and mental toughness that it takes to play the quarterback position or any position in the NFL. So was Mina wrong in what you said, Jeff? About uh, no. Garoppolo, he just wanted to get that off his chest. He wants to get that off his chest. He went on, and it, and, and it gets even worse. Uh, the fact that there are people out there given a platform to talk about something that they have never done is hilarious, and that's how you have to look at her. She's a joke. So let's just laugh at her and support Jimmy. Root on our Niners to go out and beat the living blank out of one more team. That's what it takes. She will never know that feeling. Can I get an amen? Peace. Yeah, this is this is what Jeff lost me. The fact that are there are people out there giving a platform and talk about something that they have never done is hilarious, and that's how you have to look at her. She's a joke. So we're not supposed to talk about things that we haven't done ourselves, like. I occasionally watch movies. I'm not a actor. I'm not a film director. So I can't give you my opinion on the movie just because I'm not an actor. I mean, that makes that makes no sense. You can't give your political opinion unless you are a politician. Right. That makes that makes no sense. Like there's a lot of people that make better points about football than people that have played the game of football. Today is my last show, Swain. Never done. I'm done. I, I did not play high school football. I did not play college football. I did not play NFL football. This is a show that is primarily based on football. So today is my last show, Swain. I, I think you need to get somebody in here that played the game and that, that really knows how to break it down. Because I'm, I'm just talking Hot air. Just hot air is coming out of my mouth. You don't have to play a sport to be an expert in a sport and know what you're talking about. Now, if you are someone that never played before and you are never around the, you know, the the the, the game, like if you're never around it as a reporter, you're not at press conferences, you're not, you're not at practice, it's really hard to pick up on the game and, and learn little nuances here and, 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 and learn about what 
what it takes to win. But if you always in practice, you're talking to coaches, you're going to know what's going on. And you're going to be more informed than the than the man who sits at the couch or sits on the couch and is just watching TV. You're not in the trenches. You're not beating the pavement. You're not connecting with players who are currently in the NFL. Like, Mina Combs has those connections. Like, she could talk to five DBs from different teams around the league and get that about Jimmy Garoppolo. And that would have been more valuable than a male 49ers fan who just follows the team. Football, covering football is just not a man's duty. Like, a woman can do it. If she's good at it, she can do it. Just like there's men that can do things that women are known to do more than history. But you can do it too. Like, this whole trying to put out a woman just because she covers a game of football. I don't, I don't get it because like, there's a lot of females in this, in this, in this game, man. that know what they're, know what they're talking about. Like Doris Burke is one of the best analysts period. When Carol Lawson was, was an analyst, she was one of the best period male, female did not matter. So yeah, man, Garcia gets a, he gets a for what? I mean, um, and Mina, Mina Kahn said it, what everybody else said. She basically has the same feeling is the 49ers front office. It's why they drafted (laughs) freaking Trey Lance. It's why people think that Garoppolo's last season is this year. People are only saying what the 49ers front office, what they have been doing. And, but he want to pop off at Mina, pop off at some of these dudes that said that had the same take as her. Yes. Yes. And, and, and here's, here's the difference. Mina Kimes, I watch NFL Live. It is appointment television for me. It's a good show. Because it is great. It's a good show. Marcus Spears, Laura Rutledge, Dan Orlovsky, Ryan Clark, Adam Schefter, Mina Kimes, all the personalities on there. A, they have awesome personalities. That's great. And B, they know how to talk about the game. It is appointment television for me every single week. Last two years since it it was created. Mina Kimes doesn't get on there and and break, break down the game from an X's and O's standpoint like Dan Orlovsky does, or like Marcus Spears does, or the way that, that Ryan Clark does. That that's not that's not her role. And, and she knows that's not her role. And she she gets on there and she breaks the, the game down from from other perspectives. And again, like she said, she was just sharing factual information. And, and it wasn't even groundbreaking stats mina is really into analytics and like she said this isn't even analytics this is just straight facts homie two touchdowns to five interceptions in the postseason you you don't have to have played football at an nfl level to understand that that is bad that there there's a way to go about doing things and she is great at it i don't ever try to get on here and and talk x's and o's because that that's not my level of expertise I, I do think that I know football better than than the common person that that did not play because I, I watch it a ton. I read about it a ton. I, I love football. I, and for somebody who didn't play, I love the X's and O's side of things. I, I love learning about it. There's two or three podcasts that I listen to that are devoted to X's and O's because I, I love learning about football. I think it's it's fascinating. But I don't get on here and try to <laughs> act superior and say, Josh Heupel should have called this play on second and seven because of this and that. I, that's not my That's not me. That, that's Swain's role. <laughs> but I, I don't have to have, have played football to, to be able to break down the
the game or really any other sport. No. Nope. As long as you pay attention, and Mina Kimes is one of the best at it. No. Nope. As long as you put your home, put your work in, and, and do your homework, and you can you can cover this game, uh, be pretty damn good at it, and you put that effort in. That's the main key. I, I, you know, I have I have worked with Brent Hubs on several different occasions since my playing days, and Hubs is one of the best in the business. And I don't know if Hubs can even catch a football. <laughs> I don't know if he can catch one. But it don't matter. It don't matter because he knows what he's talking about. And there's a lot of coaches that have coached this game that have never played. They're pretty damn good, too. Andy Reid's one of them. All right, let's uh, get to hour number three. 